Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Good morning, First Gen Hunter podcast listeners. Yeah, you made it to that halfway point, and uh, hopefully you're looking at the glass half full. Got some good weather patterns moving in here for this weekend, and uh, this morning I'm actually uh, getting ready to record episode number 100 for the podcast. I have a very special guest who is uh, going to do the show for us, and uh, uh, I'm super excited about who it is. Because this guy, whether he realizes it or not, pretty much taught me how to hunt through his podcast. So you'll have to be listening to that when we come out here in three weeks. Uh, I'm hoping three weeks. I'm hoping to get back to a weekly show now. But uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing this morning. Then I'm heading to work, of course. But in this episode, we get to pick up with one of the best guys in the hunting world, Mr. Bill Thompson of Spartan Forge. Now, you might remember, and if you can see the logo for the podcast right now, you might even see on the bottom of that logo, this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. That's right. Bill bought into our vision here at First Gen Hunter and uh, uh, said, hey, I want to sponsor your show. And that was such an awesome and generous move of him. And uh, really shows how he feels about getting people into hunting. And we're going to actually talk about that reality and how the app, the Spartan Forge app, can help and is even growing in ways so that it will help hunters more learn how to uh, find success when they're hunting and that is huge for new hunters um i remember my first few years of hunting i probably only went out you know a total of five days or less um it was just a very limited amount of time that i uh had allotted to you know get a deer and so if that's you and maybe that's not even just in your first few years maybe that's for your first i don't know 10 years of hunting or just permanently is that way then you need all the latest and best intel you can get so that when you do go out in that handful of days, you got the best opportunity to fill a tag. So Bill, his heart is right there with First Gen Hunters. He's even going to talk a little bit about his story for how he got into hunting. Um, it's just a fantastic interview, as is always when we bring Bill on the show. And uh, I'm super excited for you to hear about it. Now, speaking of Spartan Forge, there are some really cool things going on right now and some uh, key updates that need to be mentioned. So uh, those of you that have not yet gotten on board, you know what? Uh, you can you can look to for Spartan Forge if you decide to get on board, which you absolutely should. Or if you already are on board, like uh, myself and Caleb and Alex, um, and maybe even Brandon is. I, I guess I never asked him, but um, the if you are on board already, there's some cool things that you should you should be uh, looking to. Okay, so first of all the the app now is going to be free that's right you heard that correctly you can get a free download of the app and the reason for that is 
uh, we want to get the app in everyone's hands to start using it. And then you can start picking up some buy-in options once you have the app. But you get like the, the basic, you know, Spartan Forge uh, capability there when you when you get that um, uh, that free app, okay? Now, if you buy in on the app, here's some of the things that Bill uh, lists uh, for for us to, to mention that you will get with your purchase, okay? So there's three different satellite layers. There's a updated topo, so topographic layer. Um, there's, of course, the public land and private land markings that's been there uh, ever since uh, the beginning of the mapping phase of Spartan Forge. Uh, you get zoom in capability down to 20 foot contours that's really good that's a that's a really close view of some terrain that can help mark those little draws or low points especially here in the midwest where we don't have a ton of uh, contour change this can uh, even highlight uh, spots here uh, where you can take advantage of for hunting uh, you can uh, uh, see trails, you can uh, get that ag data, you know, what's the crop rotation going on, that makes a huge difference. I actually just had a listener uh, send me a note and uh, showed me the layout of his farm, talked about the crop rotation, asked for some advice on how to hunt it, definitely makes a difference. Um, even the measurement tools that i've used that before just to know how far i've gone for a track uh, like a blood tracking or something like that you really get some meaningful data when you start looking at how far you've walked or how far you need to walk in order to, to get to a tree stand or something like that um, you can do have offline maps which is huge when you're in areas with low service which happens all the time when i'm hunting current weather data even astronomy data moon overhead versus underfoot all of that um, you get the uh, peak rut dates listed for you and even a seven day weather forecast which i've been using a ton i find it to be more accurate than most other weather apps out there uh, and even some state specific information and uh, it's just a phenomenal tool i can't explain that to you enough Okay, so make sure, get out there, get the free app, then start playing around with it, make the purchases that you need. If you, if you go and get the paid version for the, for the app, that will give you even more capability. So find out what you need within Spartan Forge, download the app, get going, become a smarter hunter in the field immediately with that in your hand. All right. Without any further commercial or uh, pregame pep talk here or whatever, I hope you're getting outside and hunting yourself. I've been out a handful of times, and it has been an action-packed fall so far with so much more good hunting yet to come. I hope you're not sitting on the sidelines. Find a way to get outside, get hunting, and get a little bit better. But for now, let's tune into episode number 97 of the First Gen Hunter podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Meeting great people has been the absolute best part. I mean, hands down, no doubt about it, best part of doing this podcast. Um, I feel like 
you know, my hunting experience, my, my knowledge base has increased by 20 times since I first started doing this. And, uh, you know, that's been great. It's been great just getting all that information from other hunters and guys that are far more experienced than myself. I've gotten to go hunting out in Montana for black bear with Alex and uh, Alex and I have all other kinds of Western hunting plans that we're going to be tackling over the next few years and uh, met a lot of great friends. And uh, I met some just people that are, they're, they're just, they're saints here on earth is what they are, I guess you could say. And uh, one of the people at the very, very top of that list is Mr. Bill Thompson from Spartan Forge. And it's been far too long. Bill and I were texting the other day and Bill's like, dude, it's been like a year since I've been on the podcast. And we we're like, we need to fix that pronto. <laughs> and so we have, <laughs> we have been working on that for the last couple of weeks here. Bill's a super busy guy. Um, we were just talking before we started recording. Um, he's doing the work of like uh, almost a hundred person team with just him and a couple other uh people that that are helping out and uh he's uh he's just very generous with his time with he's obviously a sponsor of the podcast the presenting sponsor of the podcast and uh i think it just speaks to the quality of a person that he is so uh i'm tickled tonight because i got not only another huge person, another guy at the very top of the list, Alex Gruen on here, but I also have Bill joining me for this episode of the podcast. Bill and Alex, thanks so much for being here, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Bill, we're just going to get down to the meat of it here to kick this one off. You've already been doing some hunting. Um, been seeing on uh, social media you're up there in your home state of north dakota and uh you've already got deer season going on in fact my brother jake and uh his best friend garrett fike who's been on this podcast multiple times they just did a uh trip up to north dakota they just got back this last weekend doing some deer hunting up there uh it's been a been a happening place man yeah, I'm glad to see it. I'm originally from North Dakota, and you know, I actually had some guys reaching out to me on social media saying, like, "Why are you telling people where you're hunting up at in North Dakota, or why are you doing that?" And you know, you're ruining it for the rest of us, and blah 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 blah. And my response was always like, uh, "This place is dying. Like, the businesses are leaving, <laughs> shutting down. Yeah, there's no one up here, and and you know." If it means you need to hunt a little bit harder, think about all like for instance, Spartan Forge probably spent five thousand bucks, six thousand bucks there over yeah. that week. You know, putting everyone up in cabins, getting everyone hunting licenses, um, buying food and gear while we were out there, renting hotel rooms before we got set up in the cabin. Like that area where I was at, northeastern North Dakota, really needs that type of stuff. So if that means some out-of-towners need to come in and slay some big deer and draw, draw some attention, I, as far as I'm concerned, bring it on. That's right. Um, because that place needs it, and you know that's my home, and that's where I love. And all I see is people leaving. So, yeah, we, we started our season there. I plan on starting our season there every year. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just a, a place that's near and dear to my heart, and it's where I learned hunting, and it's where I first got started. And, uh, yeah, we had a really good time with the pro staff, and – I don't like the term pro staff. 
because they're really not pro staff. They're just good dudes that I work with. Um, I don't really have, like, I don't really treat them in the traditional pro staff capacity because, um, you know, a lot of them I was friends with before I started this and a lot of them I'll be friends with after I do something else. So yeah, we're started, we're excited. We had a good start up there and, uh, it had, it was had its ups and downs, but it was a fun time. Yeah, for sure. If I remember correctly, there was a story that we just got a little taste of on social media coming from the Seek One guys that were up there with you. And uh, they talked about how, well, first of all, they killed a nice buck while they're up there, which is just awesome. Uh, I'm sure that was like a real exciting time to be in your guys' deer camp to you know, as it is anywhere, someone brings home a nice buck, everyone, it's a win for everybody. But, um, mm-hmm. it sounded like it kind of started off a little bit scary. Uh, uh, they even, I think used the phrase, it was like a dangerous situation. Um, either there was going to be some property damage or possibly even, uh, their own personal safety was a little bit threatened. Can you, uh, elaborate on that story for us? Yeah, so um, I had been up late the night before helping a buddy of mine drag a deer that he had killed and didn't get back till super late. And, you know, I I still wake up every morning because I can't help it. I was still up at like six, but I was like kind of groggy. And um, Lee calls me from the Seek One crew and he's like, hey, dude, um, we've got a guy that like won't leave us alone. And he's managed to like coerce a buddy of ours into helping him with something at his place or something. And now we're following them. And I, and he's taught, he said all this crazy stuff. I believe Lee is going to get into it more on his podcast. So I'll kind of hit the cliff notes. Sure. But, um, essentially, you know, the, this guy walked up to the car, he was intoxicated. It was the middle of like, it was like seven 30 in the morning. Um, and, uh, hitting it early, was, man, <laughs> I guess menacing them would be the best. Way to describe yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was like menacing them and uh, um, essentially like it's really hard to explain. It's one of those situations and I've been in them both personally and in the military where when you explain it to someone else, you're kind of like, how did that happen or what happened right, or why right. would you that happen? Um, and then what you kind of end up figuring out is there's just no way around it. Um, if you were in the situation, you'd find yourself there. But um, they, they, you know, got basically this guy was like got his buddy to come over to his vehicle and then somehow talked him into like following them somewhere. So they, they were just trying to get rid of the guy. Cause really what Lee wanted to do was stay on this buck. They had like 150 inch buck that they had found. Oh. They were trying to glass and, uh, it was, you know, on, on some area near, near Grand Forks, North Dakota. And the guy ended up just like telling them to come back and, he had deer or whatever, and Lee really wasn't interested in what he was saying, but he was trying to be amicable with the guy so he wouldn't come and slash their tires later. Right, right. So, so he went back with them, and he was, like, talking about – he started to get, like, threatening. It started to be, like, a threatening situation and started to be kind of, like, um, uh, I guess crazy would be the best way to describe <laughs> it. And then, and then he um, essentially told them – like he was going to go inside and get his deer rifle and get dressed to come deer hunting with them. Oh as soon as he goodness. did that, they like jet off. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, I, like, like the stuff that he was saying, he was being very vulgar. He sure. was, he was threatening them a couple of times. Like I don't tell the story as well as, as Lee does, but I, what, what happened, what did happen was I was on the store on the phone with Lee the entire time. And I was like, get his license plate number when you're following them, do this, do that. And, um, 
I ended up having a buddy who was able to look the guy up, um, a cop or sheriff. And this guy had like a long rap sheet of menacing and public disturbances and DUIs and jail and felonies and all of this stuff. And this was his modus operandi. Um, and uh, yeah, it was insane. It was crazy. And I didn't even believe Lee at first. Like the first few times Lee told me, I was like, come on, dude. Because this guy said stuff like he's a famous rapper from North Dakota. He's been, <laughs> he's been with thousands of women. And I was like, oh my goodness. This doesn't happen in real life. And Lee's like, dude, this is happening right now. And I was like, I was not, um, I was not. <laughs> in the mental headspace to be dealing with this at like six, seven thirty in the morning. Yeah, seriously. And, uh, it was insane. And they were really, you know, at one point feared for their life. So we all decided, you know, kind of together, I should say Lee decided that they weren't going to go back to that spot and hunt anymore because they thought he might come back there and try to mess with them more. Right. So they totally went on a new set and set up and saw that deer on their first sit that night. And the video is awesome. Like when you guys see the video, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, nice. I was, I, it's going to be an awesome video. I've seen it already and it is so impressive. And like even simple things in it. Like I think it's probably one of the best lit hunting videos I've ever seen. Like the lighting oh, and the time awesome. that it was and like the North Dakota skies and like the golden, like final, like half hour of sun was out and it was just a beautiful, the whole thing was beautiful, and um, Lee's reaction, you know, Lee kills a 200-inch deer every year. Right. Um, you would think that he just killed another 200-inch deer when you see his reaction when he kills this deer. And I really think, like, I don't know if he would admit it, but I really think it was like um, like a full circle, like almost adrenaline drop from the from dump from the morning and all of the stress that he had went through earlier in that day. And then for that to culminate in a deer, just blind chance deer – um you know i think it's pretty uh spectacular and i think it's a testament to how the lord works um yeah and, and yeah so I mean, it's, it's, i'm really excited for that video to come out yeah definitely and and uh I, yeah i i was i like that word impressive because that's what it was when i saw it, i was like my goodness these guys can hunt and and uh i i also got to think that you know the way you describe that sometimes i think we all have I mean, not that moment, obviously, but you ever like, maybe it's, you had to hike in really far somewhere or, you know, you're, you're backpacking in or the weather is terrible or, you know, you, you have this whole plan for how you're going to hunt this corner of a piece of public ground. And then you get there and someone's already there or whatever it is, but then like fate smiles upon you and, uh, it all comes together and whether or not you fill the tag, which in his case that he did, and that, that makes it even more amazing, but like you, you get like a really cool encounter or something. And, and it's almost like, even though, yeah, this wasn't a 200 inch buck because of every little detail that went into writing this story, it makes it so much more impactful on your overall, you know, lifetime list of experiences as a hunter i mean it's that, that is really special and if you're listening in we could easily make this about the seek one guys which we need to get them on the show sometime that'd be that would be awesome but um i'd be happy to help help you guys get them on the show it'd be awesome yeah, that would that would be great they're 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 awesome guys They've got a great channel one of the best hunting channels on youtube and um uh, anyways, we could easily make it about them, but, 
we'll save that for a different time. But I do want to tell you, go on to uh, Lee's Instagram and look up his telling of the story that that uh, Bill just said, because uh, I mean, it was in an Instagram caption size amount of text. It's a story that could be like featured in a magazine. I mean, just just the way he wrote it the way he described the emotion of it. And, and he talked about the exact thing Bill just talked about with, yeah, this isn't, you know, this is far from the one, what do you shoot? Was it a 190 like the week before or something like that, Bill? That I think it was yeah, 193. Yeah, 193. Oh my goodness. I think that was in Tennessee, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just a, just a monster. He's like, he talks about it. He's like, this isn't a 193. I know, but this buck is special because, and then he tells the story and it's just, it was a really cool post. One, one that definitely stood out and I enjoyed reading and, and seeing the pictures and it is a nice buck still. I mean, it's not like some little, as Heath Rayfield calls it, a, uh, a North Carolina 11 point, uh, little spike, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it was, you know, it's a nice, probably what one thirties bill, one forties, maybe Yeah, I'd say 125, 130, somewhere right in there. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing, you know, definitely not a giant, but not a, you know, not a slouch either. So it was a, yeah, I mean, do some digital stuff scouting in the app and then pick a spot and go sit above it like there's very you know there's very few people that can do what he did <laughs> yeah. I, I don't feel like they get enough credit and i know that sounds crazy i know that sounds crazy when i say it because they get a ton of credit but uh, you know you'll see a lot of people talking about them like talking crap because obviously they have their own feelings of inadequacy about their own hunting right so they project that on someone else and try to cut someone else down so they feel better about themselves yep um Leak yeah. is like the last person that you should do that about because I've never known someone work so hard in the deer woods and planned and, 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 and so be so diligent with the decisions that he makes and so disciplined. Um, him and Drew both uh, are, are top tier sportsmen mm. and outdoorsmen in every, capac- in every capacity possible. And I don't say that lightly. Like I would say that maybe – um, you know, with the exception of you, Kent, maybe two other guys. So, mm, you know, that. That, that, <laughs> that to me is, uh, that to me, uh, is uh, uh, a testament to them. And I feel like a lot of people think they are just like this kind of one trick pony, but they're really not because they'll go and do it with axis deer and then oh, they'll, yeah. go do it with prong, they'll go do it with elk and then they'll go do it with mule. You know, Drew just slayed this massive mule deer um, that the video is coming out this weekend. Um, and, and so they're just consistent and consistent and it's just, it's, it's so impressive to watch. Yep. Yep. It's, it's something else. Yeah. It's success acquired over time. And I first started watching those guys, I don't know, maybe four years ago now, three, four years, pretty quick after they, they started their channel and clear back then I was blown away when I, I saw what they were accomplishing because then, and I think they still do quite a bit of uh, the urban hunting down there in Georgia. But um, when you saw what they were accomplishing there in Atlanta area, it's just bonkers. And also I want to mention it too. (laughs) You got to go back and see the reel that I think Lee put together of all the trail camera pictures they got from. uh... Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> There's some scary situations going on by their trail camera. My goodness. Yeah, insane. <laughs> I I actually sent that to uh, Edwin Alex and uh, and he, oh, did yeah, you? oh man, he loved it. It was good stuff. But well, of course uh, he did. Yep, yep. You'll have to you'll have to go <laughs> check that one out too. So, but we can't talk about the the Seek One guys all night. We got to talk about Bill and what's going on here with with Spartan Forge. First of all. I do want to say um, Spartan Forge is worth the money. You can't say that about everything that's on the hunting market, not even close. But Spartan Forge is worth every dime you put into it because it it's an immediate return on your investment. You, you get information that immediately makes you better prepared to, and, and gives you a better opportunity for success. And again, let's look at the name of the podcast, First Gen Hunter. If you're like me and you're having to learn all this stuff largely on your own, I mean, yes, these kind of resources, podcasts are great. Internet articles are great. Magazine articles are great, but it's that, that real time in the field information that is so critical. And that's where Spartan Forge sits there in the palm of your hand, tells you what to expect. And you literally watch it play out in front of your eyes. It's not going to be 100% accurate. Don't look for that. Bill has said that since day one, nobody can have that because we're talking about wild animals here. We're talking about animals that have free will to go, uh, you know, walk this trail instead of that trail, or yeah, maybe it says it's a full range day on, on Spartan Forge, but for whatever reason, this buck got spooked the night before or whatever, or is really worn down from rutting hard and he's choosing to lay low for a day or it's too hot for him, whatever. Yeah. There can be anomalies like that for sure. But I have seen with regularity, the accuracy of Spartan Forge. In fact, Bill, I don't know if you remember last year, I sent you a text and I was like, dude, this is voodoo. You know, I was, uh, and I was, I was comparing it with another app that's out there, which was fun to do. And it's like, this app said that I wasn't going to see anything. Spartan Forge told me it was going to be a full, full range day. And I had two bucks walk past my trip my tree stand and it's it was it was yeah it was was just cool to see that data like that but since then here's where things really get crazy and where we really need build a way in here in a second the artificial intelligence was really the the main thing in a way it still is but it's it's now just one of the host of options you get with Spartan Forge. The mapping has has expanded and um, um, knowing Bill, it's going to continue to do so, but it's it's grown so much since the first launch, which was right about this time last year, wasn't it, Bill? September-ish, late August, uh, uh, September? Yeah, the beta came out in September, but the actual product came out on the market in November. That's right, yep. I was one of those lucky guys who got to test the beta, the beta which was awesome. But uh, um, it's it's grown so much since November. It's not even a year old yet since it's been hit the the market for everybody. But um, it's grown so much. So, Bill, can you kind of give us your updated explanation for what Spartan Forge is for for the average deer hunter? Yeah. So you know, I've I've been kind of. Um, it's funny because I'm, I'm not a general officer, like a military general in the uh, military. 
but one of the things I used to hate about general officers, because I worked directly for a couple of them, is they would always have like these talking points that they would stick to. And it didn't matter what meeting they were in, if they were talking in front of Congress, if they were in the in the Pentagon, if they were talking to soldiers, it didn't matter. They'd stick to like two or three things. Sure. And I'd always be like, you talk about something else, like <laughs> just anything else. But, you know, here we are talking about soldier welfare and you're still talking about, you know, the your top three priorities and none of them have to do with soldier welfare. Just like dress, address that, please, just a little bit so people don't think you're a, a machine or a record. Right. And now I find myself because I'm doing these podcasts kind of sticking to my top three things that I'm trying to like do or implement strategically for the application. So I find myself uh, living out the, or walking the path that I despised at one point, but um, <laughs> it's such as life and here we are. Yeah. Um, so with Forge, I mean, when I, when I speak about it, I, I really, you know, I understand that mapping is central to planning because we're visual animals, mm-hmm. um, visual um, you know, mammals. And we, and we, and that's, you know, our, our, our brain is, our cerebral cortex and our fovea is all brain computationally expensive for our brain. And that's how we organize ourselves. So that being said, there is a map that's kind of centric inside of the, um, the application itself, but really it's not a mapping application. It's a, it's a planning application mm. or a, or a machine learning application. Um, because that, those things undergird everything that I do in the application. So, you know, maybe last year when we talked, it was mostly just the AI, which, you know, I spent about seven years putting together and I'm very proud of. And it's certainly the most comprehensive, testable and empirically driven model that's been developed. And it's the only one with those things that I'm aware of, having tested the other models and understanding how they put these things together. But then more than that, it's the planning features. So whether it's, you know, journaling what you're seeing in the field or looking up the weather for old trail camera pictures um, and kind of building paths out of that or pathways out of that to understanding when you might be seeing deer in specific spots or what the weather was in the past. Then we also get into like the Intel tab that has that AI, it has your sun up, sun down time, it has your, your weather, um, historical weather in the area, your historical wind, and it's presented in a polar plot, which is a really efficient way of letting someone know what the wind is doing in their area. Um, it's got that historical weather, as I spoke of before. But it's also got all of the browse in the area and what you should be looking for when you're doing that public land scouting. Um, It's got the traditional My Content tab that you see in other apps. We're actually coming out with a couple of things to do to make it do a little better than than how it's presenting right now. Um, We we have the tools where you can do like the measuring and the recording your track and the orienting of Mm -hmm. the map. But then the other thing that I've kind of built this application for is you, you can be as simple with it as you want, or you can be as crazy and as in depth or as psychotic with it as you want to, like <laughs> I am. Which is, you know, you can't just drop some pins um, on the map and just use the lambda pin and just drop a bunch of shields everywhere. Or you can have a pin that literally says, this is a scraped cellular camera or a scraped trail camera or a scraped cell camera. Yeah. Um, and you can organize, like, one of the things I hated about other mapping applications was. You know, if I was in like an Onyx or something like that and I wanted to turn on topo lines and I wanted to look at property ownership and I wanted to uh, set all of that up, I'm looking at like 10 or 11 clicks, especially if I'm looking at states that I'm not in or I haven't been in. On top of that, then you're 100 bucks for that. But inside of our application, it's like three clicks to get all that data displayed. And then if you want to go back to just looking at a regular aerial or a topo, you can either click the maps or you can swipe the compass and then you can set the compass up for 
being right-handed or left-handed. And from that compass, you get, you know, all of our tools. Mm-hmm. All You can drop a pin by double-clicking it. Um, so it's super user-friendly, and it only requires a thumb, basically, in one hand to run about 80% of the features. And that was that usability part that I wanted. So really, I try to think of it as like an aesthetically pleasing planning app that surrounds the targeting cycle that one might develop when trying to harvest a deer. Whether it's a buck or a doe, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those things are nested inside of there. So I, I really tend to think of it as a planning app. Um, I, w- I would I would relate it, and I'm not relating myself to Elon Musk, even though I sometimes joke I like to call myself the Elon Musk or deer. It's true. Simply you because I'm you deserve the title, man. You deserve the title. No, no, it's more tongue in cheek than anything. But um, you know, it would be like calling a Tesla a car. Mm, um, yeah. A Tesla is anything but a car. Yep. Um, it just happens to have wheels like cars. But when you understand what that machine is doing and how it operates and what it takes, every, everything that comes, the the trail of computational capacity and servers and inference data and artificial intelligence and engineering that goes into making that thing drive on its own or park on its own or um, record everything around it or you know that that is it's anything but a car. It just happens to have wheels. Yep. Um, and that's really what I call this. Is it's really anything. It's anything but a mapping application. It just happens to have a map. Um, most of the time I spend in the map, and the app is not on the map. Mm. It's with historical winds. It's looking at the the journaling features. It's looking at the historical weather. It's understanding what the browse is on out-of-state hunts. It's, it's, it's understanding all of those other things and many more features that we'll be coming out with that will really make the mapping aspect kind of look secondary or even tertiary to the things that we're trying to bring to bear. Yeah, uh, I like that. That's a nice update there as to to where things have have gotten to, which is just incredible. And I like that. It's a planning. It, it's 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 a planning tool, is what it is. I like how you say it that way. And I do want to coach up listeners right now a little bit. Yes, you can do like what Bill said, where you can, if you want to just treat it as simply as possible like maybe you're not great with technology or whatever yeah just uh i I mean you have that prerogative but i would encourage you to try and put that data in that um uh in the journal put it down in there because you know what's going to happen you're going to think oh when am i ever going to go dig this up i'll tell you when you're going to dig it up you're going to dig it up when you're sitting in your tree stand you haven't seen anything for a while and it's dead quiet and you're bored and instead of going and cruising instagram or something like that you need to just get on your journal and look at what is the historical data and and what you might be surprised at what you see uh just from last year to this year and then you know after you've had the app for three four five years now you got yourself a real nice set of data for your specific location where you're hunting and uh, then you can start taking the artificial intelligence side of it and uh, looking at that and comparing it and and be like okay when this you know when it in the past, I've had three years in a row now on a on a uh, uh, core area day. I've had bucks betting in this spot, and uh, you know what? The weather conditions today are very similar to that. Well, guess where those deer probably are going to be, and you probably wouldn't be able to keep track of that. You 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 would remember that there were deer there, but you wouldn't remember what time of year exactly. You wouldn't remember what 
weather conditions. So you get, my point is you get more out of it if you put more into it and definitely use when you're dropping pins. Um, I wish he could have been on the call tonight, Bill. I, I got a really good friend who uh, just moved to the area I did, um, who we do uh, a lot of hunting stuff together. And uh, he's a Spartan Forge user. And uh, we were just uh, setting up some tree stands last week. And, uh, man, we were dropping pins all over the place, marking scrapes, marking mock scrapes, um, access points, which are huge. I think that's probably the most underused uh, pin dropping feature for Spartan Forge is um, marking your axis because everything looks fine and dandy when you don't have to worry about being quiet and you're walking in there in broad daylight. But try walking in there in the pitch black at 5 a.m. or whatever, and and find your way to your tree stand in the middle of the the timber. Um, you're gonna want to have those axis points marked so you don't scare every bedded deer in the area and ruin your hunt for the day. So all of that stuff, you put more of that into it, the more you're going to get out of it. And also as you're doing that, you become more comfortable with the app and then you get to start to explore some of these other features that Bill's talking about and even future features that are going to be available, you know, eventually someday as the app continues to grow, just like it has so far. So that's my little uh, coaching moment there for, for utilizing uh, Spartan Forge. But Bill, can there was some stuff that was absolutely mind-numbing with the artificial intelligence that we talked about last time we recorded. And uh, I'm kind of putting you on the spot for some of this information right now, but like you said, you worked on it for seven years, so you probably still see some of the, this data when you go to sleep at night. <laughs> but um, uh, how many uh, – so, so first of all, the foundation of the artificial intelligence is – GPS tracked deer giving a, a very wide ranging uh, list of data points on what deer are doing throughout the year. Can you kind of give us an idea of how much of that data you have, where it came from and all of that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, every time an academic launches a study, which you're well aware of, Ken, and, and they're trying mm -hmm. to have an academic pursuit or a research objective, whether that's fawn recruitment rates or interactions with coyote populations or transmission of CWD or EHD or, you know, even some, some of the more esoteric studies like, um, you know, what a, how far do bucks migrate during, you know, spring to the fall and all those types of things. They, they, they tranquilize these deer with it, you know, they'll set up at night um, when the deer are, are easier to shoot. They'll get some tranked darts. They trank the animals. They put a, a collar GPS on them, um, and that collar GPS stays on them. In my experience, any time between six months, and we've got some studies where I think it's like six or eight years. Mm -hmm. And wow. essentially, yeah, and essentially, um, they uh, follow these deer around, and they and there's a diff there's different amounts of um, of uh, uh, frequency of how often you get a GPS collar. The most I've seen is every 15 minutes. You'll get a reading, and then the least I've seen is every six hours. We tend not to use the six-hour data. We'll use like one and three-hour data, mm. and we've actually gotten we've we we've gotten really good at doing data interpolation on that, which is something you know I won't belabor it in this podcast, but it's a really um, effective way of kind of um, interleaving some of that data and learning things, even when it does. It's apparent that data is not present. Um, 
And so we take all of those GPS studies and we essentially, um, that is our truth data. So what we're trying to figure out and what the data tells us is how far a deer is moving on a particular day. So you can think of it like the AI is following that deer around with a ruler mm-hmm. and it's measuring generally how far it's going. And then what we do is, is we line that up with, we have trained it with multiple weather sources. So we know that we're getting the most accurate weather possible. And how we do that is, is that we'll take truth weather data and then lash it up with our forecast data. Then we'll figure out what forecast is the best for which area. Then we'll use that best forecast as our truth data for the model. So the deer data and then the weather data gets put together um, inside of an artificial intelligence um, framework. In our case, we're using Google's TensorFlow. And then we train these models to recognize patterns in the deer movement data. So when are they moving more? When are they moving less? When are they moving in a normal pattern? When are they moving in an abnormal pattern? Then we bucket that data and we save 20% of it. 20% of that data never sees the machine. Hmm. We, use, we, we segment it and we use it as our testing data. So what happens is we'll take that 80% of the data and we will train the models and the models will learn the patterns out of the data. And that's really what artificial intelligence is. It's actually what humans are. And Kent, you're probably better predisposition to speak about this than I am, but ultimately we're pattern recognition machines. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. And that's how the human brain works works is it pops patterns out and that's why you can do all kinds of crazy things with like uh uh linear vision perception by doing things like shadow inversion on photos and stuff and just make things totally unrecognizable because your brain has an idea of how the patterns of the atmosphere and gravity work right um and when you convert those patterns you can change things so you have a neural network inside of your body a circuit that is built to uh, uh obtain and process information through your phobia to understand how the world around you works. Well, it's the same thing with a neural network. It ingests information. Its eyeball, in this case, is the TensorFlow program. And we feed that information through it. And then TensorFlow uh, allows us to uh, leverage a bunch of computational capacity that ascribes um, patterns and um, highlights patterns in the data. And then what we do with those artificial intelligences is we test them with that truth data and make sure, um, and we test it with data that we don't train it with um, for the simple reason, again, I'll keep leveraging your um, your former being a teacher, Kent, because I think it's a useful <laughs> analogy. Sure. I think it's a useful analogy, but essentially you can teach a child about Greek history, okay? And you can have them read Socrates and Plato, and you can have them read Marcus Aurelius and all of the great um, Stoics, and then have them read books about Greek history. And they'll do pretty well if you just give them a basic Greek test about, you know, Rome or or any of those things. Right. Like they'll know a a good amount of the information. Um, That would be how a neural network works is we are training it with general information. What you wouldn't want to do is test that student with the information that you're going to or train that information with the information. Sorry, I'm getting in front of myself. You wouldn't want to uh, educate that student on the test material and then test them. Right. So we segment that data so that, I, you know, it would be the equivalent if I just told the kid all the answers to the test that I'm going to ask them and just said, hey, memorize these. And the kid would take the testing at 100, but they really wouldn't know anything about Greece right. or about anything. They would just right. know the answers to the test. Yep. So that we, 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 we isolate that data and then we train the neural networks and then we test the neural networks with data that it's never seen. And we also have live GPS data that we test it with. 
and that data that's um, cool. <laughs> is, is, is absolutely data that's never been seen. Right. So I can actually look and have data in Pennsylvania and in Ohio and actually, actually see like, okay, neural network, what is the movement going to be like for the next week? Um, and then I can actually let that week go by and then actually evaluate the neural network. Um, and, you know, routinely it scores between 60 and 70% accuracy on the binning of that data. And wow. predicting where that's and how insane. people are going to move. That's um, insane. And that to me is about as good as it's going to get. So that's kind of like the foundational piece of our neural network. Um, and we're, at, we're, we're coming out with another neural network that's going to basically just kind of, it, it's much more in depth than this, but the simple way to say it is it'll just, if you have a property, you'll be able to draw a polygon around it and it'll tell you areas to investigate. Um, <laughs> and wow. It'll do that based prior GPS thing. That's so, huge. We're trying to get that out here. Um, we'll see how it goes. And again, I'm not trying to replace scouting. You're going to have to scout. You're going to have to go on the ground. I'm not trying to replace woodsmanship or tradecraft or any of those things. What I'm trying to do is, you know, a lot of people might only have a week of time a year yep. for vacation yep. and want a boat. And and they've got mama that wants vacation for Christmas. And so they've got three days this year. Yep. I'm trying to make those three days the best three days that they can have possible. So I always say it's kind of like, if you have a grandpa who's owned 80 acres forever, um, you know, is it? It's just as fair to ask a neural network what it thinks you should do as it is to ask grandpa how you should hunt this property. Because mm-hmm. grandpa knows exactly where those deer are and exactly where the stand should be. Yep. Um, so if that's ethical, then I would say um, this is the same thing that we're trying to do, and we're just trying to, you know, the the newer generation is on cell phones, um, and we're on cell phones, and uh, this is the wave of the future. And you know, I want to keep people hunting, and I want to keep money flowing through for a thing like uh uh pittman robertson act and and other places so that we can continue hunting and public lands into the future and that that's what i'm doing yeah absolutely and uh, that's very well said i mean to me that's that's been my biggest advertising point for spartan forges look this thing buys you time you know and maybe you do like maybe you're you're as fortunate as i am where you live on the primary ground where you hunt even still I got three kids under, you know, five and under, you know, my time at home has to be a a big block of my time because my wife needs help. So anytime I go hunting, unless I have some kind of other babysitting lined up or the family's traveling to go visit the in-laws or something, you know, somebody's making a sacrifice for me to be out there. And if you're listening into this, the chances are there's a lot of you that the same thing could be said for. And so when we're going to go out there, we want it to be good and we want it to be, you know, the right day when it makes a lot of sense. What does the data say? And now even with the, the new capability bills talking about in the right spot, because we've all been in that position where we set up somewhere that we thought was going to be decent. And then we watch all the deer, you know, way out of range across the farm out of reach and uh you know yeah. and, and i don't all, you know and bill would agree with me here because i know him well enough we're not saying that it's a waste of time to go out and and just spend time at a deer stand and, you know you it ended up being a bird watching venture or something like that anytime you get out is is, <laughs> is is great and is meaningful and it's good for the soul and all that but let's be honest we all want to have that 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 best chance at success as, as well and and i also think too and, and bill was alluding to this how many new hunters out there 
are in that very limited time frame. A lot of a lot of new hunters are gun hunters, you know. So gun season, like let's go, let's jump the river here uh, from Iowa. Let's go over to Illinois. <clears throat> gun season is like all of it together uh, is I think six days, maybe six or seven days total for the the whole year. You can go get a muzzle loader and you know maybe add another week to that, but most new hunters are probably going to just have like a shotgun to use or something like that. You got seven days to get this done. And that's if you get to hunt every single one of those days. I mean, the barrier for entry there just from a time standpoint standpoint is, is pretty tough. And this helps lessen mm-hmm. that. And, um, over the long haul, we're not gaining more hunters. You know what I mean? Uh, we've we've had these conversations on here before, Alex, but but um, we need to. We need. Yes, we are. We, Come on. Yeah, <laughs> we. You're right. Yeah, uh, we need to. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen some positive things yeah. here recently. We saw a nice little bump during COVID, but if we're going to get people to stick with it in the long run, it's gotta. There's got to be a payoff for them at some point, and Spartan Forge helps get that payoff. So I I think that there's a tremendous amount of value there. And, um, yeah, I, I like how you said it too, Bill, if, if just go into the property owner and ask him, Hey, where are all the deer at? <laughs> if that's ethical. So is, uh, having a, a cell phone that helps you with that too. And it helps you break down public land, oh, yeah. all, all those things. I mean, yeah, I mean, people, people will say like, I don't need, I'll read the deer hunting forums and I'll see someone say something like, I don't need an AI, an AI to tell me when I should or shouldn't hunt. And it's like, well, A, my AI doesn't tell you if you should or right. shouldn't hunt. My AI tells you what you can expect out of deer activity while you're hunting. Yep. Like, I think you should hunt whenever you can. Yep. If it's the rut and you have 45 minutes to go sit in a stand that you can quickly access, you should do it. Like, yep. like you absolutely should do that. Um, so I'm not saying hunt or don't hunt. I'm saying plan accordingly. Um, but then secondly, you know, the way I was raised, my father died when I was five. I didn't really have anyone that was encouraging me to get in the, in the woods. So if we can kind of demystify the deer woods for new hunters and kind of give them, help them understand a plan of action that doesn't, you know, they might not have access to people who hunt or being, or they might be shy or they're afraid to ask questions or whatever. So if they can abstract that learning process um, and, and put it on a machine to kind of help them do these things. Um, and that gets their foot in the door, mm-hmm. then I'm all for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and Alex is a good person to relate to you on that as well. He he uh, he's had to figure hunting out largely on his own too because of losing his dad pretty early on. But so uh, again, yep. I don't ever want to minimize that. And you know, uh, uh, my condolences to both of you for that eternally. But you're exactly right. There's there's people that that have that kind of stuff too, where, you know, you might, might just be a high school kid or something and you're trying to figure it out. And once again, it's not, it doesn't replace a mentor, but it's another great tool that drops that learning curve when you don't have a mentor necessarily. And, uh, yeah, it's for, for new hunters, there's not a, there's not a better tool out there. There just isn't. And the fact that you have access to all this data, um, right there on your phone is just, it really is incredible. Mm -hmm. It it really is. Hey, Hey Bill. Yes. Do you, you know, being that I, um, I obviously hunt out everywhere, and then with clients, I'm I'm planning all over the place. With the well, I guess I got two questions. One is 
you know, do you foresee venturing into the Western state aspect? And then two, the, the data that you're talking about, you know, obviously with the focus of deer, is that also an option that you would be able to kind of branch down the road into, you know, different species? Yeah, we, we've already started for about three years. I've been collecting elk and mule deer data. Wow. Um, and <laughs> okay. Are, That's awesome. Tr trying to create models. Um, I have a pretty high standard for the models and the amount of recall and predictability that they have to have in order for us to put them on the market. Mm -hmm. So we've still got some data collection to do. It's not simple to get data. Academics are not the most um, charitable people in the world when it comes to sharing their life's work, yep. which I totally understand. <laughs> yep. So yep. I have to make those inroads and I have to provide them value up front in order to do that. So I, I'm trying to do that. And uh, we are we do have quite a bit of that data. The models are pretty good, but they need to be better than a coin flip. And right now I'm currently at a coin flip with a couple of those. Mm -hmm. So, and, and the problem is just more data. You just need more and more data. Sure. Um, I've trained, um, I've done some of my own convolutional neural networks, which are like vision neural networks. And, you know, your general vision network needs something along the lines of like 10,000 images before it just, even before it starts recognizing something. Mm. Um, hmm. so you really, it's really, they're data intensive. And that's why they, we need all this computational capacity through Google that I've been able to leverage. Because um, in, the, in the past, we were doing this stuff in like MATLAB and stuff. So, yes, we, we do have that. And then we do also have a bevy of Western features, some that we'll be releasing this year and some partnerships we'll be announcing this year. And then we'll really be pushing forward going into next year. That's awesome. That's oh, that's exciting. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I'm excited to, to see that come out. All right, Bill, uh, do you got any good testimonials that maybe you saw a review somewhere, maybe you saw somebody say something on a forum, maybe you had somebody reach out directly to you. Um, anything that sticks out in your mind where someone's like, dude, Spartan Forge, help me uh, fill this tag. Yeah. I mean, so I would encourage people to look at our Instagram cause we post some of them. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes the people let us post them. Sometimes I'd say almost two thirds of the time people don't want to sharing like sure. the details of their hunter, like yeah. screenshots of their app <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Yep. Uh, but uh, we, we do post some of them online and some of them that have been awesome. One of my favorite ones is actually from a pro staffer. Uh, if you know who Bo Martonic is, mm -hmm. he, yep. um, he runs camps. I'm sorry. Yeah, oh yeah. Yep. Uh, it's just so funny. Cause I was I'm literally just looking at his profile right now on, oh, that's on Instagram. Well, talking. I, I don't know if he posted it or not. He definitely sent it to me, but he runs a ton of trail cameras in Pennsylvania and he was correlating buck movement. He was like, this is unbelievable. He had like 30 days of data and he was only seeing like daylighted bucks on his cameras on the day where we were predicting full range or, for transition area movement. And there wasn't a single day where it was core area where he was seeing those deer on his cameras. So that was a learning point for him. But he was like, dude, I'm a true believer now. This is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and I, a lot of stories like that where people are, because the, the, as you said, the app's not 100%, it's not even 70%. It's like six, between 61 and 65% accuracy, mm -hmm. depending on where you are in the US, it goes up and down. But that's a lot better. You know, that, that means 63% of the time we are bidding the 
management correctly. Yeah. And that's a point of contact that a hunter can use to make an educated decision. Yeah. Put that in terms of, yeah. put that in terms of baseball. You're batting with a, uh, 630 average. I think, uh, we'd all be okay with that. <laughs> that's, 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 exactly. that's really, uh, that's really impressive. And you've never claimed that it would be 100%. You've always said that's impossible. That, and, and which is true. I was actually just listening to a, uh, a podcast while I was at work today and somebody said that, you know, like, aren't you kind of glad that we can't know exactly, you know, what, what the deer are going to do? Like, it's fun to have that mystery there. And that's reality. It, there is some of that mystery there, but 63% of the time getting it right. That's really impressive. <laughs> yeah. Especially when it comes yeah, to like I, preserving your time. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Sorry, go ahead, Alex. I didn't mean to interrupt for, you. For, for sure. No, no, no. I was going to say, you know what this does to me is, you know, there is something to say about being confident or having confidence, right? You exude it. You feel it. Mm -hmm. it, it gives you a just a, a better sense of purpose. This gives you more confidence that, like, when you will be out there or when you're planning on it, that you, you're more likely to to be in a good position mm -hmm. for whatever that day or hunt mm -hmm. is and and that's mental but it, i think there's a huge factor to say about that and i think no, that's the mental aspect is huge yep yeah yeah no you're absolutely right i mean the mental aspect when it comes to it even like i even see this bear itself out in other respects and, and, and it can also be similar when it comes to spartan forge and that's fine with me because what you have is when people believe in a system they will uh, they ascribe value to the system, but then they also save their best based on the heuristic that they've developed. So a point of contact could be like if you believe in moon overhead or moon underfoot um, and you maybe you're Kent and you have like your grandparents 40 or whatever that you're hunting mm -hmm. and you are like, look, I am only going to hunt this, you know, in November when the moon is overhead or underfoot. Well, what you're going to do is, is you're going to do your off season scouting. You're going to get your stands and your sets. You're going to leave those areas alone. You won't put pressure, you know, undue pressure. You're not going to be hunting on days that you shouldn't. Yep. Therefore, you're not pressuring the woods. You're not leaving your scent behind. And then, you know, here comes that moon underfoot day, and you save your quote-unquote best set. You go up and sit in that tree, and you see a deer, and you kill it. And so you might have made yourself, you know, a, a uh, what would you call it, um, a, a false heuristic, a yeah. heuristic that's not necessarily true. Right. But it's good enough and it works for you. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that's what we're doing with our application. But what I am saying is, is when you treat data that way and when you treat whatever your heuristic is for how you operate in the world that way, you will get better results because it will automatically lead to you not abusing a, a particular set or an area or over scenting it or whatever. So, you know, that, that is and that speaks to the mental, the positive mental framework that you just talked about. Because if, like, one of the guys who is the best at this is one of our pro staffers named Johnny Stewart. He believes that every time he's stepping in a tree, he's going to kill a 180-inch deer. That's awesome. He, he, and he, if he doesn't believe that, he doesn't get in the tree. That's awesome. And, and, and it's shocking to see that on someone because he honestly believes that every time. And then, I don't know if you guys know who Johnny is, but um, go on, uh, like, YouTube and check out his trophy room in his cabin in Pennsylvania and look at the Pennsylvania bucks that he kills year in, year out. 
and the, and the people that trusted him and surround themselves with him, he's an impressive hunter. Yeah. yeah. I've seen him before. It's that, that is, that's another thing that I actually heard about in this other podcast today while I was listening, they were talking about how there's just some days you, uh, Cole young. I don't think you've met Cole yet. Uh, like she's actually coming on next week. He, he was one of the early guys who came on several times and, and, um, he calls them seeing red days where you walk out there and you're just, you're just <laughs> seeing red. And, uh, um, I think there's absolutely some, a, a ton of truth there to that, where you're just more confident. So you're more dialed in You're you know, how often when you see a deer in the woods, is it, um, you're just seeing like a tine or you're just seeing the flick of a ear or, you know, a little bit of the white tail or, or whatever it is. And if you're not dialed in, if you're climbing into that tree and you're not doing what Johnny Stewart does and says, man, today's the day I'm, I'm schlocking a giant, you know, the, the yeah. you're, you're not dialed in like that. You're not a, you're not a diligent predator, I guess you could say. And, uh, confidence is is so key to every aspect of hunting. And and honestly, why do we hunt where we hunt? Because there's a good chance there's going to be deer there. That's why. And so you know, if you're if you know that it's going to be a day when deer are going to be moving around a little bit, then uh, your chances are just really good for for having an opportunity. And and I think the other thing too is. You, you know, with all these guys that we've been talking about tonight that are just really, really good deer hunters, they aren't just waiting for the opportunity for the deer to just walk by their stand. I mean, sometimes that happens and it works out great, but they see that little flick of an ear and they're like, oh yeah, there's a buck over there. And then they give it, a, you know, they hit the grunt tube or they do a little bit of rattling or, or something, you know, a snort wheeze or whatever. And now they lure that buck over to them and, and they capitalize on it. So, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of things that can be unpacked there with, with that, uh, testimony there. So yeah, that's, that's cool to hear that. All right, Bill, before we end this one, we need a good hunting story, buddy. It's a new thing I'm, I'm doing on the podcast. Um, I, I just realized one day, whenever I listen to a podcast, a hunting podcast, something deep down inside of me craves a hunting story. You know what I mean? It's like, well, at some point, are they going to talk, tell me a good hunting story? So I'm trying to, uh, uh, address that, uh, subconscious, uh, desire here a little bit for, for myself and for the listeners, you got a good, uh, hunting story that, and it can be any species could be, uh, I know whitetails are the name of the game for you mostly, but, uh, anything come to mind? Uh, I mean, I've, I've got, well, I mean, I've got a bunch. I've got some bear ones that I like tilling. I've got some with white tail that I love. Um, I guess one of my, well, let me think, give me just 10 seconds to sit here and talk and try to pontificate <laughs> and come up with something no. um, that will, that, that is a good one. And I'm, I'm thinking here hard about, well, I, I'll tell you one about failure. How's that? Um, yeah, sure. I was a trad bow hunter a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I had convinced myself that I was good enough at hunting. I was wrong that I should go the trad bow route. So I had first bought a bear archery bow and then I transitioned to making my own. Yep. Actually after, before I worked with him, um, Garrett Prawl and I would just kind of go back and forth, um, online and he, you know, and exchange ideas and that type of stuff. Well, he made awesome. a video about making it. His, yeah, we had made a video about making your own trad bow. 
And so I went and got the part, all the constituent parts and made my own trad bow and started hunting with it. And that is I'd awesome, taken man. like a couple of, does. yeah, I mean, I'd, made, I'd taken a couple of does with it. I felt really confident with it. Um, and well, I was, and I'll send you the picture after this podcast of this deer. Okay. I'd gotten locked on what's probably a 190 inch or 180 <laughs> inch public land deer oh that I was, goodness. that I was tracking. And this thing just had his junk had junk. I mean, he was just a fantastic, magnificent specimen of a deer. <laughs> and I had this area where I knew there was a scrape that he was working. I'd only seen him on the camera at like one or two in the morning. Um, I knew that the peak of the rut was coming and, and there were does that bedded just off of this scrape. And that was the, that's the camera where I saw him at night. Mm-hmm. Well, I started to finally get a couple of like dusk photos of him just like right after sundown. Mm-hmm. And this is right. I think the peak right there was like November 7th. And I think this, I decided to make my move and set up over that scrape around like November 4th. Okay. And the deer, so long story short, the deer comes in and um, gets to about what in my mind, what I thought was about 15 yards or 13 yards. uh, And I loosed an arrow and totally missed. And uh, it turns out the deer, it went right under him. It turns out the deer was actually like 17 or 19 yards. I can't remember which one it was, Okay, but it went right. And I'm still shaking. And the to make to add insult to injury, the deer bounded off to about forty yards, and just kind of looked around. <sighs> so I knock another arrow, and I'm waiting, and I'm like, at this point now, cursing the arrow, the bow, and I want to break it over my leg because <laughs> yeah. could have been first. It would have been dead on the first shot, right? Because um, I would have, I would have, I would have, I would have made the shot. Right, there would right. been no choice. But even if I missed the shot, it had now bounded off to 40 yards, which is, again, another shot that I can make with a with a compound yep. bow any day of the week. But it's far too far to try to shoot with a trad yep. bow. And that trad bow, I think, was shooting like 44, 43 pounds or something like that. Okay. So you're talking about a rainbow of a shot oh, at yeah. 40 pounds oh, yeah. with, with like 40 yards. So I just sat there and watched the deer like look around wondering what went on. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm dying inside right now. Like, I this is... And so the deer ends up just walking off and I, he ended up getting hit by a car. Oh. I was I deployed, the next year I deployed to Afghanistan and um, I, I came home in December or January in the late season. And the woman who gave me access to this public, she gave it to me through her backyard. So this buck was on the other side of a swamp that if you're on the public, normally it would take you like two miles of walking to get to. Uh-huh. But with I, she had given me access so I could park in her driveway and walk through her backyard, and I was there in like two minutes. And so it really ga- gave me access to a lot of deer oh, that yeah. I otherwise wouldn't see because the deer just didn't expect me to be there. And the way that I could get in and get out, um, they were never able to scent check me. So it was a perfect spe- setup. Um, well, she told me that that deer had gotten hit and was in the road in front of her place, and a oh. guy came and took the head or something like that while I was in Afghanistan. But um, that was the last time I ever tried bow hunting. <laughs> I haven't done it since. That was the last time I did it. And I'll, I don't know if I'll ever do it again because, like I said, <clears throat> you know, when you're like 20, I think at that point I was like maybe 29 or 30 or something like that and still full of hubris. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I just, <laughs> I'm thinking about it now and it makes me upset. 
that's that not only when i let him go that when he got away (laughs) i could have made the other shot on him uh with with a with another bow like no problem whatsoever so i think about that i still get upset i i still get um uh like uh that's the one that got away it's kind of like the woman that got away or something you're just like beside yourself and uh yeah dude, <laughs> that, that for me was my dear story and um it just dude that hurts. right now it's killing me as i tell the that story that hurts man but, that's that i could picture the whole story as you're telling it and you know i think every hunter if you hunt long enough and i'm saying this is a first gen hunter you know this will only be my eighth season but i already have some of those kinds of stories where it's just like what was i Oh my goodness. You know, just like, why can I not, oh, yeah. if only I could buy that minute back and, and try it again, you know, I would do it right this time, but, uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, Hey, Ken, you check your phone. You'll have a, a trail camera picture of that deer. Oh my um, goodness. Do you see that thing? Dude, when you said <laughs> junk on his junk, you weren't fooling, man. Yeah, no, that deer was much wider than that picture looks. Did he? Well, he's looking at the picture of him. Um, and so when, when I've got other pictures of him, but I believe he was, it was, uh, it was 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I think he had 19 scorable points. Oh, yeah, definitely. Or maybe, or maybe 20. Yeah. Because on his that. back, he had, yeah. antlers, he had kickers that went off of his D2s <laughs> that went backwards. <laughs> Um, and I only saw him on the hoof once in my entire life. Um, so yeah, dude, that is that's awesome. Wild. That would have been that, that would have been that would have been a featured in field and stream or outdoor life kind of buck. I mean, that is my public land deer too. By the way, yeah, yeah, that is insane. That deer, you know, was it out there? Was that in North Dakota? No, that was in Southern Maryland. Holy cow. That could have been like a state <laughs> record, man. I bet you it would be close. Like I said, I mean, I'm not my sure what this goodness. Well, my app would tell me. I can look it up. I'm going um, to send it to Alex here, too, just so Alex can uh, appreciate this. We want we want to get his reaction on the podcast here. <laughs> dude, that, dude, we should send I'm anxiously away. We should send this to Caleb and be like, look what we just got on trail camera tonight. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> dude, like, that is a nice, nice buck. <laughs> like that is, it looks like flames. Okay, if you're you're listening in here, this yeah. buck looks like he's got so many. I, I guess you'd call them stickers and kickers, flyers even coming off of his. Uh, it looks like his G three here, so we can't even see the ones that that Bill talked about coming off his G two. Oh, you can a little bit on his right hand side, but you can't really on the, the left hand side, the G three there looks like flames of antler, like lapping up into the, the sky off the antler. I mean, it's just yeah. wild. That's a cool looking deer. Put that thumbnail for the podcast. If you want to, Oh yeah, a- definitely, definitely. Oh, well, you know what? This is timely, Bill, because today I, uh, I, I had this thought, you know, oh, it'd be kind of cool to try and make a self bow. You know, uh, uh, we have some hedge trees here on the farm. Osage orange is what a lot of people call them. Um, and, uh, that's used a lot of times for self bows because it's such a tough, durable, uh, wood. And, uh, <laughs> This this cures me. I might make one for like decoration's sake or something, but 
<laughs> no way am I taking it into the woods. That oh man, that's such a painful story in the end. But <laughs> I ended up deer that year. Actually, I ended up killing two good deer that year. So I'll send you those the the the, the follow up photos to the, to that after this, so that you don't have to feel sorry for me. Yeah, the, um, we'll definitely send that because I'm feeling really sorry for you right now. <laughs> the, the two deer I killed after that were good. I actually did them like one week in New York and then the next week in Western Maryland. Um, and I felt a lot better after ever having doing those, but, um, yeah, that was the deer that got away and that I'm going to, you know, until I'm, uh, on that second deer, I just Holy sent you the photo. Of, I actually have awesome, yeah. The second photo I sent you, I actually have an awesome video right after I shot that deer. He just kind of stood there in the tree and didn't know what happened. He, he was on the ground with his head in the licking branch and I put an arrow through him. Wow. I'll send you the video later. Yeah, definitely. He ends up just, off not knowing what happened and just stood there and died man that that wow was that did you shoot those with your trad bow or did you go back to a compound after that no nope. nope. i was with a compound on both of those <laughs> yeah that, you learned quick <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 if i would have missed one of those deer with it i'd just have been done with hunting yeah yep oh man well, those are good stories i'm glad i asked well, hey, uh, <laughs> Bill's got to get to his kids. I got to get to my kids. Alex has to get to his kids. We got to wrap this one up. But um, people want to get get in uh, the game with Spartan Forge. What's the best way to do that, Bill? Uh, they can look us up on Instagram, or they can go to our website at www.spartanforge.ai. I answer about eighty percent of the questions that we get on the Instagram. Um, it's kind of just the way I like to run the company. So if people have questions, mm-hmm. concerns, gripes, or, or praise, you know, uh, you know, let me know, come online and, uh, I'll engage. And, um, I'm, I'm hoping everyone that's listening has a great season. Yeah. Thanks so much, Bill, for getting on with us tonight for the call. You can also find a link for that in my link tree. Uh, just go to the link tree in my profile and it, uh, will be, I believe the top link or the one right under the link for the podcast, something like that, or the website. So uh, uh, get on there and uh, just a couple thumb clicks that way, or definitely follow Spartan Forge on Instagram. Uh, there's also a Facebook page you can get on if you don't have Instagram. And I believe you guys are on Go Wild too, right, Bill? Yeah, yeah, we're 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 everywhere. Yep. So uh, get after it. Get following them. Also, look up some of those cool stories that we talked about at the beginning of the the episode. And uh, yeah, there's just not a there's not a better company out there. There's there's uh, I mean, you you the testimonies here, right? You're we're listening to the guy who started this whole project and just hearing his vision going into the future with it. Um, there's, there's not a harder working dude out there. And another guy who's a really hard working dude is Alex Gruen. Uh, make sure you head over to alexgruen.com and, uh, start checking out some of the things Alex has to offer with, uh, tag application services and, uh, far more Alex, you've been, uh, developing your YouTube channel, your YouTube presence a little bit here lately. You want to give a quick rundown on that? Yeah, not a lot on there yet. I'm, I'm compiling a lot of gear reviews right now, but I, uh, I did edit a couple videos. I just posted them. So yeah, if, uh, listeners want to head over there and subscribe and I'll continue adding content as we go along here, but, uh, yeah. And, and the good big, big goal. Yeah. And the, <laughs> well, and the good news about his gear reviews, it's all for rent, right? Uh, if you want to, if you want to plan a hunt with Alex, 
you can uh, go to him and he will outfit you with the gear you need to uh, um, make that hunt happen. So make sure you head over there. Don't forget the promo code FIRSTGEN10. You can save yourself a little bit of dinero on the back end. And uh, yeah, get, get going on that dream hunt. But thank you so much to uh, everyone for tuning in. Thank you to Bill. Thank you to Alex. Bill, let's not make it a year before we have you back on here, buddy. And Absolutely. and uh, we need to get you out here to Iowa. Start putting in for an Iowa tag, and I'll uh, be sure to take care of you, buddy. And and I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. And bring your shed dog out here too. I like to pick up antlers. So. Oh yeah, I'll bring him out in March. He's the best. Oh, so. dude, uh, Caleb and I. Caleb, who's the other guy that I wish we could have had on tonight? Because he's he's a big uh, he's a big Spartan Forge user. Uh, we got some uh, prime ground. Uh, I think we found, I think we found close to 40 antlers on this farm this, this spring. So, uh, we, uh, we got, we got a spot to, to bring your dog. So awesome. Well, take it easy guys to everyone else. Thanks again for tuning in till next time. Take care and take someone hunting.